Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. Good day, kids, and welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. My name is Matt, just Matt, and I like movies, and this week we're talking about another one. But before we get to the new one for Real Film Nerds episode number 210, my good buddy sitting there looking at his tablet, not wearing any clothing like, uh, you know, I requested from last week, Mysterious Mike Talent. Hello, Matt. Yes, I'm back. Shirtless, talented as ever. It, It did take us a little bit to get started because, you know, I mean, you know how I like it when you don't wear clothing, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I know. You you had to excuse yourself for a second, right? I did. I had to shut down the, the webcam and walk away. Well, that happens, Matt. That happens. So speaking of wandering, Mike, this week's pod, Nomadland. Yes. You want to uh, give us a little bit of your thingamabobber about it? You know, what do you think? What do you think? How was it? Enjoyable? Breakdown? You know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I like this movie. It's 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 a little bit it's somber. It's it's not happy. It's not sad. There are moments in it, and I liked it. Um, this definitely could be in uh, the running for some awards, I would think. So uh, let's uh, let's do the breakdown, Matt. Um, Nomad Land, and this is uh, currently streaming on Hulu, and is directed by Chloe Zhao, uh, written by uh, Jessica Bruder, and uh, Chloe Zhao. It's starring Francis McDormand, David Strathorn, and it's about, uh, after losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through American West, living in a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Living as a modern-day Van Dwelling Nomad. Damn, dude, you missed some very important names on that. Yeah, they don't have IMDb database information, but they're very important because of who they are in real life. Uh, what, 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 what do you mean? Linda May, uh, Gay DeForest, Patricia Greer. Those are all real-life nomads that are in this film. Oh. Bob oh, Wells, my. he's another one. My bad, my bad. The supporting cast of this film. I don't know if you knew that, Mike, going in. Uh, I know because I I've been researching today. But uh, um, mo- a large majority of the supporting cast uh, what are legitimate nomads. That's what they are. And they cast them in the film. Now, I don't know if they were scripted. It definitely doesn't come off as they were scripted. Francis McDermott was definitely scripted. But... I don't know. Anyways, that's a that's a little interesting tidbit about this film. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Matt. Um, that is definitely interesting, and I think it really adds to it because it seemed very genuine. All the people that were um, in the film that you meet that are, I guess, nomads. Okay. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Matt, uh, you know, you always threaten to, uh, you know, 
quit everything and uh, live in a van down by the river. Was this kind of the river that you were thinking of? No, because there was no river. And these vans are way fancier than any kind of van I can afford. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I was just thinking that kind of lifestyle of just living in a van. Uh, it's it's kind of appealing in some ways of just being able to leave. Like, um, it's not, you know, it's not the big old RVs and, and crazy, like, I guess, kind of glamorous uh, camping or as a lot of people say, glamping, uh, it's a lot more um, stripped down and, you know, just more bare essentials. I enjoyed uh, some of the scenes where they're teaching uh, fellow nomads different tips and tricks, like best practices for different things. I The, uh, the poop buckets were uh, some of the favorites. Uh, I don't want to give away too much spoilers, but that was fun. Oh, believe me, you can spoil that part because that was a part of the film that I definitely could have gone the rest of my life without. Oh, oh really? No. You, come on, Matt. You know, when you're living in your van down by the river, I guess you wouldn't need a bucket, right? Because you'd have the river. Now, don't you're get just... me wrong. You know, I've shat in my fair share of buckets like everyone else, you know. But as far as watching Francis McDermott do it on the big screen, I could have lived without that. Ah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just it was real. Um, and Mike, I, clearly it was after Taco Tuesday because that was a nasty shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could just, the noises were just ridiculous. Awful. <sighs> All right, man. Well, um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to leave this poop alone. And, uh, man, I, I did oh, enjoy. Oh, that's right. You have a small child, so you have to say poopy. Yes, yes, I I did enjoy the uh, various jobs um, that the nomads, uh, you know, particularly Francis' character was uh, doing with, like, the Amazon warehouse. It was kind of neat to see inside of an Amazon warehouse. I felt like that was a real Amazon warehouse, and they just let them shoot everything. I thought that was really cool. I'm pretty sure it was, and... Another thing, again, this is the authenticity of this film. All those jobs are legit. Like, that's what nomads do in real life when they're trying to make money is working at Amazon and working shit jobs in restaurants, and then they move on. Yeah, like, I I feel like you just do it seasonally. Um, I know uh, one of my friends here runs a... a, uh, well, I, yeah, I guess runs a state, uh, inst- the state park, and they have what they call uh, work campers, and what they are is people they'll bring up their RVs and for uh, a season, uh, like three or four months, they live at the site, and the kind of the exchange is they they put in twenty hours a week, uh, just doing various things to help maintain uh, the park. And then they get free hookups, and they can just live in a park. And there's like this whole network of people that kind of do this. Uh, not, I wouldn't quite say nomads, but of people that will go around and work different places and stuff, and be able to get kind of like a, you know, not free. They're working towards you know something, but like kind of get this 
kind of benefit to stay in in various places uh, if they contribute to the area. Yeah, that's very common over here too, Mike. I don't know if you know that, you know, because you dropped out of Boy Scouts early compared to me. But um, places like Patagonia Lake and Parker and uh, even our city lakes here in Prescott, like Coldwater and Lynx and stuff like that, they all have basically what they call park rangers, but they're not really park rangers. They stay at the campsite in their little trailer or RV or whatever for months at a time, typically on season or whatever. And they go around and they clean up, you know, all the trash and, you know, make sure people aren't screwing around and, you know, things like that. And it's, uh, I'm sure they get paid as well on certain levels, but it's a, it's definitely a lifestyle doing that too, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think it was neat to see the different places um, that our main character went throughout the movie, uh, just going to different places around the country. Um, I would think that would be kind of a neat aspect of doing that. I mean, working these uh, menial jobs might not be the best, but just being able to go see some of these places or live in some of these places just for like a little while, it's kind of neat. So it's, it was it was kind of neat to see that and um the uh, another aspect of this movie that was extremely i don't know real and and heartfelt was just kind of how a uh recession the recession was felt in a certain part of the country where essentially they shut down this mine and everyone it's just the whole town it becomes like a ghost town in like six months it's nuts dude yeah well that was a company owned town and that is again i looked these things up because i do my research proactively for the podcast mike it was (laughs) thumbs up damn right (laughs) (laughs) so empire nevada is legit and this story is a legitimate story. Francis McDermott's character story is not. That is made up. But the town of Empire, the mine, everything shutting down, even the year, like it being shut down in 2012, it's all 100% real. And it's you can look it up on Google Maps and all that stuff. It's you know It was a company-owned town. And um, I actually live very close to a company-owned town in Arizona. We only have two. And one of them is Baghdad, Arizona. It is a copper mine. And if that copper mine ever shut down, that place would be deserted because the only reason that town even exists is because of the company. And they own literally the whole thing. The whole thing. Oh, man. Well, congrats on doing uh, your research. I didn't know Arizona had a couple um, company-owned towns, so that's cool. Uh, so Baghdad, what's the other one? Uh, the other one, it's the other mine in uh, Marenzi. Okay. I don't I don't think Marenzi is the one that's actually the company-owned town itself, but it's near Marenzi. It's over on the eastern side of the state. But why I know Baghdad is a company-owned mine and town is because I've been there about three times when I used to work at the newspaper. We would have to go out there because they actually had a pretty good football team. Oh, well, that's neat. Um, Matt, I think before we get too far into this, I think, I think we need to spoil a little bit. So I am going to ask you that question, Matt. What are you drinking? I'm boring and I keep drinking beers that I have in the fridge, which isn't, you know, anything spectacular. Unlike yourself, 
I am drinking a Miller High Life, the Champagne of beers. Oh man, are we celebrating again? Did you did you did you close? Celebrating. Did 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 you uh uh close another deal? Another uh landmark deal? I haven't closed anything yet, but I have a bunch in escrow. So that's that's always good. That's always good. That means money's coming. That means I'll be able to pay my mortgage. Maybe eat if I'm lucky. Yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Some some double doubles. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what's so funny is how, how much you love them, their double doubles, and you can't get them where you're at, Mike. And I literally am, I don't know, two, three-minute drive from the In-N-Out Burger, and I haven't been there in months. You just walk there, and you're like, you just take pictures, and then you send them to me, and then you leave. I do, yeah. I was like, okay, this this burger's bad, and I just give it back to him and walk away. Oh, I hate you so much, Matt. I hate you. So, Mike, speaking of hate, uh, what IPA are you drinking today, Mike? Ooh, Matt, check it out. Not an IPA. What? So, Lies. Yeah. So I am drinking a um, Kings County Brewers Collection Deadlock Victim uh, Imperial Stout. It has a bunch of graphics. It's kind of crazy. Imperial stout. Wow. So that's a that's a nice healthy stout too. Yes. Yes. It's uh you know, it's pretty strong. Eleven percent. You should have drank more of it before the pod, so you'd loosen up a little bit more. Okay. Loosening up. Well getting... I'm, you're already naked, so I don't know. I mean I don't know how much looser we could get you, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> is is that what she said? Yes. Definitely. Okay, so speaking of that's what she said, Mike, how does Nomadland relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, man, thanks for asking. Um, this one was another one that doesn't have a large cast and i was a little worried but matt matt gave me permission and um so the director of this chloe Zhao, also uh is directing the new uh eternals movie that is supposed to come out sometime this year well was who knows if it'll actually come out this year but um so there now I if that if the Eternals doesn't come out and we have to redact it, we'll have to re-record this podcast. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's rough. <laughs> All right. Okay, Mike. So now we can get into the spoilers territory. Um, I, w- I just want to hit on a couple topics you brought up earlier about the nomadic lifestyle and how it can be extremely appealing. But then you do have issues trying to make a living and taxes and all that things because you don't physically have an address. Oh yeah. No, that would, that would be a problem. That'd be a problem. I, I, I would think you could maintain a PO box or something that you checked in with every once in a while. I, I don't know. Cause I think you can go to like, was a UPS store and you can get like, a physical address and it doesn't say P.O. Box, but it really is kind of like a P.O. Box kind of thing. Yeah, but then you would have to make sure it's in 
like a state or a town that you're going to frequent at least once every couple months, which that clearly doesn't look like here, you know, and I think I would love to do something like this in theory, but I think it would be difficult just because it would be tough living in such a small space, especially just being my size. But I would like the uh, aspect of traveling and seeing all these different places and it's more than, oh, I went to visit here for a week. It's you're there for like a month or two months or six months or however long. I think that you really, really would get to know a place. Yeah, I think that stuff would be really neat. You're right, Matt. If if you had a, a van in some, some similar conditions uh, as our main character in this movie, it would be extremely hard. Um she couldn't even straighten out her legs when she was sleeping, which I was like, dude, that's not even a thing. I couldn't do that. I'd have to figure out something else. Um, you know what I could but, do, though, is like one of those small little RVs, like the cheap ones from like the 80s or 90s. You know, they're they're like built on like the chassis of a van, but they're an RV. You know, it has oh, the yeah, side yeah, door yeah. and it has this kitchen and all that stuff. Yeah, one of my uh, former bosses had one of those. I never slept in this stupid thing, but I worked out of it a handful of times when we had really big events here for the newspaper. And it, you know, it actually wasn't that awful because not being, you know, in this tiny little space, I mean, it still was tiny, but, you know, it had a ceiling and being 6'4", I could somewhat stand up in it. And for me, that (laughs) that's the one that makes the difference, you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot of those um, uh, European style vans that would be pretty cool i mean i think they call them caravans or whatever that are um you know smaller and not so crazy rvs but like really good at you know being efficient in storage and and bed space and you know that kind of stuff so i think that would be neat um i really liked you know seeing the different parts of the country like the badlands and and uh quartzite you know i don't think i've ever been to quartzite matt i personally would never spend more than a few hours in quartzite uh i i'm good with uh seeing the road sign that says welcome to quartzite and then seeing the sign that says welcome to california immediately afterwards okay all right well um do you want to hear my story mike i know we talked about it earlier about my experience in quartzite uh i don't know is it is it something of of note should should we uh tell the listeners okay or, are they here we go here we go i all don't right. care if all it's right. of note or not a, bri- a, a bridge version man when, when i was is. a young child we had this vehicle that i inherited when i was in high school because my dad's an ass called the station weapon is what we called it you remember the station weapon mike yes yes uh for those listening it was a station wagon and it was an oldsmobile station wagon remember oldsmobile people we're old 1984 (laughs) oldsmobile station wagon blue because that was my mom's favorite color with a 390 in it and it moved that sucker moved you know that (laughs) yes you hit the gas and it moved yes it, it it did it it was really big but it had a really big engine to move it not as cool as your Impala, but it, it still, you know, it still moved pretty good for how, how much of a chunk of steel that effing thing was. Anyway, so it's fairly new. Uh, I was probably seven or eight years old. I don't remember the exact age. That was the family car, you know, think back, think, you know, National Lampoon's vacation, like that, the family truckster, that was the family car, you know, it was my mom's car. And we were coming back from California 
and the station wagon breaks down in quartzite. And we spent four days in quartzite with the station wagon. And the whole reason why we had to spend so long is because they could not get an alternator to repair the station wagon. And so we live our, our, our week vacation turned into almost two weeks because of the alternator going out. And then I lost one of my favorite belongings of all time, a very favorite hat. I don't know where it went. I swore someone stole it and it was detrimental to me as a young child. So, Oh man, that, that, that is, that's pretty terrible. Uh, yeah, no, I have, I do not recall quartzite. I, I guess it is off of I-10, so I believe that I have driven through it, but I do not recall the area at all. You're not missing much. There's really not a whole lot out there, Mike. It's flat. There's a lot of rocks. It was a mining town. Now it's a place where they have things kind of like Burning Man, and they have like a lot of snowbirds go there because it's very mild temperatures, and as you see, it's close to the California border. So, you know, uh, I do know... There's a big dry lake bed out there that a lot of people from my RC plane community go to and fly planes out a lot. So, but anyways, yeah, a hard pass and go to Quartzsite for me. Okay. All right. Um, the Badlands looked neat. Uh, I've never been to the Badlands. Uh, that would be cool. I would love to check that out. That was very cool, especially how easily, like, they, and they portray it in the, in the movie. She gets lost, like, really quick and easily in the Badlands because it all looks the same. And you're like, oh, man, that looks like it's really far away. And then she stands next to it, and it's only, like, five feet tall. You know, some, yeah. of, the, some of the formations. It was pretty cool. It, it, it did look cool, yeah. Yeah, I I think that place looked neat. So, um, Matt, what did you think about the overall like tone of the movie? Like, it's it's kind of just very like somber. What what did you? How did you feel about it? Uh, did you like it or uh, I, I don't know? I don't want to tear it apart because that's you know this is definitely an art house film and. A lot of people love art house films. I think they're okay. They're not my favorite. That's for sure. This definitely has a somber tone. One thing uh, I w- was going to hit on it earlier, you were talking about, but I'm trying to get in this habit of like letting you, like when you're on a roll, just keep going. And I have a hard time. <laughs> and I'm working on it, Mike. I'm working on it. But okay, when you're talking about the recession, we've seen all these movies and TV shows based around different aspects of the recession. But we've never had anything like this where we get to see the effect the recession had on individual people. And I applaud this movie for doing that. Yeah, you usually see it from a much higher view, like like a 10,000 foot view, like the big short. Exactly. For the most part was uh, an excellent film at explaining what happened with the housing crisis and stuff, but it didn't really, I mean, it, it, it touched on people got, you know, losing their houses and stuff, but it was, it was from a different, like this was so personal. This was so intimate. This was, this is what happens to the real people who are really there. Like this, like it, it was, I mean, it was just one person's real story, but, um, I mean, I guess it wasn't a real story, but it was one person's story that was about all the events that have happened and how it affected them and, and their life and what they were doing to deal with it. And, man, it was it was kind of rough, some of those parts, man. The, the, the New Year scene, the first 
the first New Year's when she's at the Amazon warehouse, it's like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. Man, sick and just by yourself, cold. Like, it did not look that fun. That That's one that would bother me a lot is how much time she was alone. I don't do good alone. I mean, I, I, I do because I don't have a choice. I'm by myself. I, you know, especially right now in this COVID climate, you know, luckily I can still go and work and do my thing and run around. And I talk on the phone a whole lot, especially now, but it's interesting. A movie like this coming out where it's about a woman that's traveling all over the place in a time when we can't travel at all, but she's traveling, enjoying her life, doing all these things, seeing all these places, but she's completely and utterly alone. And when someone tries to start getting close to her and actually takes an interest in her, she almost immediately pushes them away because she's just so guarded because how devastating the recession was and her husband dying and all this other stuff. But the overall tone of the movie, it's somber. It's not sad. It's not depressing. I mean, there are depressing elements, but one thing is, it drags. It definitely drags. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It. I just wasn't a huge fan of it. Like the cinematography is great. There's big sweeping vistas and a van driving through. And it, you know, this is like, you know what this is when you're getting into it. It's an art house film. It is what it is. You know, it's an independent style film. It's not a blockbuster. If you don't like those kind of films, do not go see this. I will definitely say that. Yeah, that's for sure. There there are slow times in the movie. Um, uh, but I, I, I don't think... I, I didn't feel a dragon. So uh, I, I disagree a little bit with you, Matt. I, I, thought it, I thought it went well with our character and the story and stuff. But it's... You know, there's just sometimes... And like you said, it's it's not like a sad... It's not a happy movie, but it's, it's just somber. It's just kind of getting a window into this this particular character's life and how things are going and you know things aren't a hundred percent awesome they're it's life i guess it's just showing you life real life yeah and it you know there's nothing wrong with that it's just it the movie i i, I don't know i mean it starts out with her at amazon it ends with her at amazon it really doesn't uh show us anything other than it gives us a little glimpse into her life and a little bit of a recovery of her life and i guess it shows us her going from even though i don't really explain it this way but i am kind of perceiving it this way going from being you know in this town and being a mom to going full bore on being a nomad because she's still learning a lot of things like you know she's learning how to uh change a flat tire like she couldn't do that and she's learning you know where not to park and you know, how to sneak parking and, you know, things like that. And I mean, you know, the easiest place is Walmart. I mean, Walmart, that's where the nomads really do park all a lot. There was a wonderful article done a few years ago about the nomads that go from Walmart parking lot to Walmart parking lot to Walmart parking lot. And it was really, really well done. And I loved the photography and it was great. But it the movie, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It just gives us a little glimpse. And I don't know. I don't know, man. It it was good. I enjoyed it, but I, I don't. It's not my favorite. I I thought we got to see her grow a little bit in dealing with uh, the recent loss of her husband. Um, it you know it was devastating to her. Uh, you know her her husband and her had built this life together, and and uh, you know them being 
completely shut down with the the company town being you know d- you know uh the mine not being needed anymore and then her husband coming down with some sort of uh cancer i don't think it really explained much about that but it didn't need to and then uh her just kind of stuck with nothing and trying to figure out what to do with her life i i did think when well, but I'll argue against that point. She was not stuck with nothing. She That's had true. an entire storage shed of all of her and her husband's belongings. And you see it at the beginning and you see it at the end. She's choosing to have the van and what few precious items she has with with her. And that is definitely like one of the most heart-wrenching moments <laughs> in the entire film is when uh, the love interest drops the box that contains all the dishes that she got from her grandfather that she just loves above anything else. It's the only thing she really cares about, and he breaks all of them. You could feel the pain in that moment. You really could. And it was just a plate and some cups. It was, but uh, you could. It was that 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 was well done. The build up to it because you you learned about the plates and stuff. But it was like much earlier, and it was just like kind of her talking to some of her her one of her friends about another nomad about what the significance of the plates were and stuff. So then when that scene happens, you know, several minutes into the movie, you're like, wow. yeah, you wouldn't have thought a plate. Um, <laughs> but th- that that was really well done. But I, I liked seeing her grow when she went to the quartzite and kind of had that, that, that nomad community and they kind of have that bonding experience because I felt like that helped her feel like she wasn't alone. I, I don't know. This is all me just reading into it, man. There's none of this stuff, you know... It, it, it just, I felt like she, she kind of found a new kind of group that would accept her the way that she is, uh, messed up, uh, broken, and uh, but on the road as well. And I thought that was kind of cool because it seemed like a lot of those people. Uh, whether it was uh, couldn't retire or there's all kinds of reasons why they got there, but the, the fact is that they were all there and they were all just welcome. I thought that was cool. Well, I think it helped build her confidence dramatically because here she is. She's running across this woman that has cancer that's completely made up. That woman is alive and well, and she is a real nomad. Uh, Swanky, I think, was her character name, but that's actually a real name. So, like, a lot of the uh, real-life nomads, like, they went by their real names. So, like, um, who was it? Bob Wells? He went by Bob in the movie. You know, Annette Webb, she went by Annette. Rachel Bannon, she went by Rachel. So, anyways, um, I think what she saw in that community and learning from all the other nomads is that they could do it, so why can't she do it? And they helped instill a lot of confidence in her and how to do it properly, and how to be safe. And, you know, you got to use the seven-gallon bucket to shit in if you have knee problems, not the five. But if you have a a Prius, you want to use the two-and-a-half-gallon bucket. But watch out for the splash. Yeah, no, no. And, you know, that's that's, I know that was your favorite scene, man. Did it remind you of South Park? Did it remind... Mom, bedpan! (laughs) Bedpan! 
Oh, jeez. Okay, Mike. All right, let's do it. Let's let's do this thing. I'm going to go first because I think I did not like this movie near as much as you. I'm not as much of an art house film person. I do like them. And when one hits me, it hits me really hard and I usually like it. This one did not. I'm not saying it was a bad movie, especially the acting, especially the acting from not actors. The acting from the nomads themselves was fantastic. Like when Bob's talking about his son, that scene is extremely extremely well done i don't know if that really is what happened to his son or whatnot but he did a great job and i felt his emotion and i felt his pain but of course francis mcdormand all the time amazing actress she'll probably get nominated again i don't know if she'll win but she'll get nominated for sure because she's just incredible but mike i give nomad land three reels out of five Wow, man! All right, yeah, I, I think, I think we definitely are, are, are differing on this one, Matt. I'm gonna give this one four and a half reels. Four and a half! Holy hell! I knew you liked it. Jeez. I don't know. I, I, it spoke to me, man. It spoke to, to I, I don't know. It just, it hit that nerve, like you were saying. Art, art house films for you hit you or they don't, and uh, this, this one hit me, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, that that scene where Bob's talking about his his son was, it seemed like it was real, and that was, ooh, that was rough. But uh, very heavy. I enjoyed all all the scenes with him. He's not in it a ton, but I felt like the scenes where he was in it were really good. Where the the little one on ones that he had with uh, Francis uh, McDormand's uh, character were. I thought they were just really good because it's like one's kind of like the beginning and then the second one is like kind of after she's grown and you can just tell the difference. Like, it, and that was cool. Yeah. Well, you know, again, Mike, I know you like it when we are opposites and this is one where we definitely are. And I do like my fair share of art house independent films. I, you know, I really, I really enjoyed Parasite. I thought Parasite was an incredible film. That's that's just one I can think of off the top of my head. There's a lot more out there for sure that I really enjoy and a lot that I'm kind of neutral on. But I respect it because it is a good film and they did do a good job and they did tell a really good story. It just didn't hit me. Yeah, it's funny, Matt, you mentioned Parasite because I didn't like that one as much. So I, I love don't know. that movie. It, it, maybe I it's because it was so messed up. I, I I don't know. It, it it was messed up, but it it was just I don't know. So that I mean that's fine, man. We we can disagree. That's okay. Well, all right, Mike. You know, it is my turn. Yes, it is your turn. What 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 are you going to watch next week? All right, Mike. This one is going to catch you hard off guard because the exact opposite of anything we've done this entire year, for the most part, brand new, coming out March fifth. To Amazon Prime Video, it's the 33-year-old sequel coming to the number two, America, starring Eddie Murphy, Sherry Headley, James Earl Jones, and making his triumphant return, Wesley Snipes and Arsenio Hall. Oh, Wesley Snipes is in it? Yep. That's cool. That's cool. I... I, he, I I guess he's probably out of jail now from his little uh, little tax issues that he had there for a little bit. Uh, apparently, 
just this is just a note for everyone who's listening. You're supposed to pay your taxes on your income. Hey, didn't I ever tell you about? I had him. I had him in high school. I don't think you did. Economics teacher, you remember? Uh, I think I had. I, I did. You have my economics teacher. I don't. I thought you I had don't someone know. else. I had a economics teacher. I don't remember which one. My economics teacher. I remember him very well because my older sister had him too. Refused to pay his income taxes. He said they were illegal. He never paid them. Then no, I did not have the same economics teacher. About 10 years ago, no shit, they show up at the high school and arrested him. (laughs) (laughs) It took him about 30 years, but they did catch up to him and they did arrest him for never paying his income taxes. Ever. So, anyways, I'm not going to disclose his name because that's messed up. But, anyways, so next week, Coming to America. It is dropping March 5th on Amazon Prime. So, make sure... You uh, hit up your friends, your neighbors, whoever has an Amazon Prime account. That's uh, this Friday, March 5th. So, Mike, uh, I think that's it for me, man. But again, we haven't done like a comedy in a while. And I mean, I'm interested to see because the first Coming to America was came out in 1988. Yeah, yeah. Matt, do you remember who the criminal was that was uh, robbing the McDowell's? The criminal that was robbing the McDowells. Um, hold on. Or McDougal's. Sorry, McDougal's, right? Because it was, was, it was Mc- very no, close to I, McDonald's, are you sure but it was it's McDougal's. I think it was McDowell's. <sighs> was it McDowell's? Yeah. It's very close to McDonald's, but not McDonald's because, you know. And it was the golden, it wasn't, it wasn't the golden arches. What was it? The golden, like, crescents or something? It was like. It was something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm trying uh, to look it up on IMDb real fast, but I'm not finding it. Oh, come on, man. He wh- what's what's on my wallet? Oh, dude, is it Samuel Jackson? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yes, he's in everything. I should have just said that from the start. <laughs> yeah, it's I Samuel a, Jackson. I got a fifty-fifty who's, who's chance the place. if I say it's Samuel Jackson or it's Nick Cage. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can. I mean, dude, here's what I didn't even know. I'm looking at the the IMDb. Cuba Gooden Jr. was in the original. He was a boy getting his hair cut. Wow, I I don't think I knew that actually. Wow, that's that's it's it's interesting. Wow. And then uh, let's see. Um, they had the the general in here. Um, I wonder if uh, no, no. I I was gonna say I was wondering if Wesley Snipes was in the original. But I don't I, think he was, but, uh, you know... Um, yeah, I don't see him. I'm not uh, not 100%. I, I just remember that, you know, when I watch it, you know, kind of recently, or it, it, it tends to come on TV sometimes, or I don't know. The last time I saw it, I remember thinking, man, Sam L. Jackson was in this? That guy was in everything. Dude, literally, he's been in everything. I mean, he was in... He, he's, he's in so many things, man. So many, so many movies. Yeah, I mean, he's just, yeah, I, I don't know. He's going to have to live forever because I want to keep being able to see him. So anyways, it's a, it's a comedy. We haven't done a hardcore comedy like this all year. I think we're due, Mike. This is an exciting one. Hopefully it's a good one. I haven't seen an Eddie Murphy movie in a while that I liked, so I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's a good one. So, all right, Mike, do your thing. Okay, I think the last comedy that we reviewed was Bill and Ted's um, oh, Face the Music. 
I think that would be like the last comedy that we reviewed. What do you think? Uh, it was definitely probably the last new comedy. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the last comedy that we reviewed, man. We're we're very dramatic people. We're very lots of drama in our lives. Sci-fi, actually. I think sci-fi is our number one. If you want to know the truth, which I have no problem with. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I actually have another sci-fi movie I want to review. Um, well, we'll but, have to get that, you know, coming up in March. That'll be later on in March. Yeah. So anyway, uh, with that, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, make sure to follow us on the social medias. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, yeah, go out there and stream as many movies as you can. Or watch them in the theater if you feel safe. Catch you on the next pod. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now go out and catch a movie. Good morning, Magic 99.1. Who's this? It's your bestest friend in the world. Bestest friend in the world. Scott Dandos? Uh, yes. I can't can't, can't lay claim to that. I cannot lay claim to that. I know. It's your bestest bestest movie buff friend. How's Uh, that? That is perfect. Matt Hinshaw from the Real Film Nerds Podcast. How the heck are you? Living the dream, Lisa, always. Yes. Yes, you and me both, buddy. That is a fact, especially... You know, after a great weekend, hope you had one as well. And I know that you're going to talk about a movie this morning that won a bunch of Golden Globes yesterday, correct? Yes, and I have to put this out there first off. I know this is going to make me look bad, but we did not pick it because it won a bunch of Golden Globes. We picked it because it was a brand new movie, and we actually already recorded the podcast. Okay. So the coincidence is kind of interesting that... You know, the week we're doing Nomadland is the week it won all these awards. Yes, so, yes. I guess congratulations, and uh, I'll just put it out there. I was wrong. Uh, you were because, wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, yeah, I, I'm not a super huge fan of this movie. I didn't think it was bad, but I don't see the appeal that all the critics and people that vote in the awards like, or my co-host. Uh, my okay. co-host loved it. Really? Well, I got 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, what didn't you like about it, Matt? I thought it was just kind of dragged. It's, it's, a, it's an art movie. It's a, you know uh, independent. It's very slow. I like what they did with it. I like the people they used in it. But it's just, it's a movie. It's almost like, a, like, I hate to say Seinfeld, but it's like a movie kind of about nothing. I mean, it's about her personal journey. Right. But she doesn't really like go anywhere or really, like, I don't know. Like, I don't have a clear, concise resolution, I guess. Okay. And that's what I wanted. Okay, well, very good. Do you think it was because it, it was unrelatable for you? I mean, it's about a woman in her 60s, and uh, y- you just quite, you just aren't there yet, Matt. On either counts, no, woman well, or in your 60s. <laughs> right, right. I, I got a few, I got a ways to go, right. and uh, I'm not doing a gender switch. Right. I'm not transitioning. Yeah. So, you know... Um, I don't think it's so much that it's it's more about loss and her trying to find herself and just kind of giving the finger to the world and going on her own path. Mm-hmm. And so I can relate to that in a lot of ways, especially where this takes place. This was after you know the big the Great Recession and all that. 
And I like the idea of traveling across the country and staying in places for weeks, if not months at a time, yeah. doing these odd jobs and seeing all these wonderful things. I would love to do that, theoretically. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's just, it, there's not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, oh, I, give it, I give it three out of five reels, and my co-host gave it four and a half. Four and a half, and he's wow. very harsh. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very, very, very harsh on reviews compared to me, and he loved this movie. Okay, So, I don't right. know, I'm missing something. Yeah, you may want to watch know. it again, Matt. You might want to watch it again. I'm going to watch it, and I'll let you know what I thought. How's that? Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was good. I just didn't, it just didn't touch me. Right. I don't know. Right. Okay. Well, you know what? You are entitled to your opinion. It's your podcast. You can, you can say whatever you feel, right? Yeah, that's true. And I usually do. You usually do. It's a fact. (laughs) Now, what are we uh, looking forward to next week? Well, I'm flipping the coin. We haven't done one of these in a long time, and there's a big one coming out. It was supposed to come out of the theaters, but it's coming to Amazon Prime. And that is the 33-year-old sequel in the making, coming number two to America. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you know about this one? Well, I I remember the first one, surprisingly. So, Eddie Murphy, right? Yep. They're bringing back the whole cast. Eddie Murphy, they even got Arsenio Hall, who basically has disappeared from the limelight. He's coming back. Right. James Earl Jones, Wesley Snipes. I think it's going to be it's going to be either a train wreck and right. it'll be fun to watch that way, yes. or it's going to be really funny and good. Right. So right. I'm down either way. Okay, <laughs> we'll look forward to that. Matt Hinshaw, check out his podcast, everybody. It's the Real Film Nerds. Always great chatting with you, friend. It's always a pleasure chatting with you too, Lisa.